0: Hello and welcome to the Business Line podcast. I'm Nivedita Varadarajan. In this episode, let's talk about the Digital Personal Data Protection Bill, which was recently passed in the Parliament. What is the bill all about, and can it potentially change how we interact with organizations and the government? I talked to Pratik Vagre, who is the Policy Director of the Internet Freedom Foundation India, to understand what is in this bill, how is it different from the previous iterations of this bill, and to understand how it can impact our day-to-day lives. Listen to this podcast to know more. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for
1: having me, Niamh.
0: Okay, so firstly, what exactly is data protection? So for most of us, the only time we come with data protection is when we go on to a site which is from Europe, when we go to, let's say, The Guardian, and it tells us, I have cookies and all of that. Is that what we are talking about here?
1: It's an interesting lens that you added in terms of going going to a website because in you know in the context of you know the bill that we're going to be talking about mm-hmm. uh, data protection as such uh, is a little different from privacy, which is a broader broader concept. Yeah. Uh, but uh, data protection specifically deals with you know the digital footprints that that we leave on the internet or the you know the data that's collected about us by various private entities by various government entities as we interact with them, how that data is, is used, kept safe, you know, is not processed in ways that we are not aware of, we're not, mm-hmm. uh, you know, ad- ad- we didn't agree to, uh, and then is used to make decisions that affect us in ways that, again, we, we, we don't know about. So, mm-hmm. so while, while there are many aspects to data protection, broadly in the context of, in the current contemporary context, this is what uh, we're, we're normally talking about, about, the issues that we're normally concerned with.
0: Okay, so we are having a distinction between protecting our data and privacy in general. So how much of this bill addresses the issues of privacy? I think even by definition, right? And again, if
1: anyone has read the work of the Internet Vita Foundation around the data protection bill, you know, we have Mm -hmm. our concern, you know, several concerns with the bill, right? I'm just going to state that up front and then go into some of my points, which is, Look, if you look at, uh, some of this is a little philosophical, right? But if you look at how many times the word uh, privacy appears in the data protection bill, it is a grand total of one, which is also where it's referring to an amendment to the RTI, not directly per se, right? It
0: doesn't talk about privacy for one thing. Yeah,
1: right. Yeah, right. And then if you look at the preamble of the bill also, it starts with, you know, the need to to provide for the processing of digital personal data.
0: Mm. Uh, in
1: a manner that recognizes both the rights of individuals to protect their personal data and the need to process such personal data for lawful purposes, and then and then it, and then it goes on, right? So, yeah. so again, if you if you just st- sort of study the placing of certain parts in that preamble, the first thing or the same thing, thing that seems to have primacy is the processing of digital personal data, right? Yeah. Uh, protect the personal data comes after that. And then, with a further, you know, rider or a caveat of having to be balanced, right, with the need to process it for, you know, for lawful purposes. And incidentally, you know, the reason I'm stressing on that is that's a trend we sort of see through the bill in terms of, you know, the the way certain parts of it are written, with the ability to give exceptions, you know, for government processing or even for private entities, etc. So in its approach, it is fundamentally, or seems to be fundamentally about ways to process data rather than protecting the right to privacy which if you go back to you know the 2017 puttaswamy judgment right which reaffirmed the right to privacy and where you know the main part of this process sort of kicked off which is culminating in, in in this particular bill you know that dichotomy there is is pretty interesting if you're a policy analyst and concerning if you're a citizen
0: we'll come back to some of the issues later but why should citizens be concerned
1: if a bill that was meant to be written from the perspective of protecting the right to privacy, Mm -hmm. uh, then takes on a different approach, which is to enable the processing of data. You will then see that in the way the bill is also, in the way that it's written out, in the way that it's implemented, which has then, you know, long-term implications on on individuals or or consumers or citizens broadly, right? As as they interact with various services on the internet, uh, etc.
0: So you're saying basically that what the bill intended to do and what it is doing are slightly different
1: correct and, and, and this, this is this is my contention right uh, mm-hmm. of course you, you a lot of it now the other other design aspect of this bill is that uh, a lot of things are left to rule making in the future right so mm-hmm. if if you again look at bill they have identified 25 plus 1 matters and i'm deliberately saying 25 plus 1 because 25 are specific matters broadly specific pattern, then the 26th one basically says that, hey, we can then define additional instances. So, a lot of the specifics, right, in terms of how various parts of the bill will work, how various, you know, how some of the exemptions, to what extent they will apply, to what entities they will apply, a lot of that has been left to the future and without necessarily having any sort of narrow safeguards or any language in the bill to uh, to narrow it or, or, or limit it, right? Now, this is, it's being portrayed as, look, the bill is simple. Uh, it's in a, in a way that people can understand, uh, right? You don't need to have a law degree to understand the mm-hmm. bill, uh, as, as I don't. As an aim, I think that's great. I think it it's, it's extremely admirable to want to write a bill uh, in a way, that, uh, a way that anyone can understand. What I don't think is mutually exclusive with that aim is to have specificity and safeguards in the bill, saying that hey, this language that will prevent misuse or misinterpretation of the bill or when it becomes law uh, at 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 a later stage, right? And I think that is one of the most significant shortcomings of this bill, right? In terms of that that approach that's been taken, which will then have implications on how it affects people every day, then being able to to the extent at which they are protected, right? Now, for example, I, I as a consumer, now if most companies think that hey, this bill doesn't change the t- status quo very, very significantly, right? And there's no need to make uh, too many changes to our data collection and processes.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Then as a consumer, it, does, it doesn't, it's not really doing uh, much to move the needle, right? Now, of mm-hmm. course, like I said, a lot of it depends on the rules, so, which we don't know at this stage, right? On the other hand, you have private entities or companies who might be thinking, uh, it, it doesn't change my, uh, you know, obligations too significantly today. So it's great, right? But again, I, you know, I, I'll come back and say that, Look, you don't know. You don't know at this stage because a lot of that is left to the future. The same the rules that can be written in a way that, you know, that don't protect people enough can also be written in a way, you know, can simultaneously be written or alternatively can be written in a way that are uh, very onerous for companies, right? Yeah. I should point out that, look, this balance is hard, right? I think this balance is hard uh, to to get right. I think no one, no one should underestimate or discount, you know, th- that fact, right? That it is... It is hard to strike that balance, but then you know, in in the aim of striking that balance, do you need to be in a scenario where I'll go back to this point, right, where there are limited safeguards, limited protections, or where there is just so much discretion for the executive? Okay, right? uh, which you know, if with any public policy student, will, it's not such great design, right, to have too mm-hmm. much discretion with, with the executive. Do you need that? And that's where I disagree with uh, with the way this bill is currently
0: being framed. So your worry is that because most of the content is not in the bill right now, it can be used in a positive way. It's good, but it could be used to favour big data, big companies, and not necessarily the end user. If I'm getting it right. Correct. The crux of that is just
1: the lack of specifics, right, at, at this stage, right? Yeah. Uh, which, which which makes it which makes it very hard to really to really judge how much the status quo is going to change.
0: Yeah. So. Before we go on to other aspects of the bill, some of the some of the issues that you might have with the bill, let's talk about some of the positives. For the first time, I guess that we're talking about consent in the transaction of when I'm sharing data. Is that true? Is my understanding right? Correct. There are some obligations
1: in, that are envisioned, right, uh, mm-hmm. in, uh, for companies of you know for the government or anyone that that processes data, right? I think broadly three buckets to look at them under. One you mentioned is uh, is consent. The other is you know, when you seek consent, you also have to provide notice with a with a certain amount of information, mm-hmm. uh, and then there are obligations on on these. You know, the term used in the Bill is Data Fiduciary, right? Yeah. But uh, uh, on these entities, right? So now, on on the con- consent part, yes. You know, they say that, uh, or the or the language says that it needs to be free, specific, informed, uh, unconditional, and unambiguous, and it must be indicated with a clear. Uh, affirmative action, right? It must be limited to the specific purpose. So when you give consent yeah. for particular personal data, and the processing should be limited to the purpose, right? As Me as
0: a user and you as an establishment both agree to. You can't use it for everything. That's basically what consent. Yeah, correct. Is. yeah Right, right. right. Uh, that's
1: more purpose limitation, right? As, as a yeah. concept, that that idea is purpose limitation. That if you've given your consent for you know for data to be used in or your personal to be processed in. One way, it doesn't mean you assume it in, in other ways. Although I will add a big star here and say mm-hmm. we'll come back to this. There are loopholes and leeways here for, for various types of, for different types of entities.
0: Because rules aren't no, established here. Not, not
1: just that, there are specifically exemptions that have been written up in the, uh, in the bill and also at the idea of legitimate uses or certain leg- legitimate uses. Uh, which which effectively allows uh, an entity to assume consent in certain certain scenarios. The other aspect of the, the consent is that it should be presented in you know in in clear plain language, uh, which includes of course Engli- include English and any other language that's in the in the Eighth Schedule of, mm-hmm. of of the Constitution, right? Yeah. Uh, and the idea also is that when you're asking for this consent, you have to provide the person with uh, with notice, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and and then of course if you've done this in the past and then. Once this is enacted, you have to then you know as soon as possible also provide this notice, which will inform people that okay, this is your personal data and the pur- purpose for which it will be uh, it will be processed. This is how you can withdraw consent at the later stage. Uh, mm-hmm. This is how you will seek grievance redressal if if you want how to file a complaint with the data protection board that's also been envisioned un- under this, right? The thing to note with the with the consent aspect is now it, it's great that you can withdraw consent, but the bill also says that the consequences of withdrawing consent will be borne by by the person who withdraws consent, right? Which is again it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out because you can again this is where the incentives come in, right? Now it is yeah. a, as as a company or as an entity that's processing data, it is in your you know in your interest to try and limit. Someone the ability to withdraw their consent so that you can't process that data, right? So when the bill explicitly says that the consequences are borne by you know by the person who withdraws consent, you can imagine that the way it will practically play out is that you know it will become harder for someone to actually uh, do that, or when they do that, they suffer consequences that they idly should. Uh, now, yes, in theory, there is an appellate process, there is a grievance redressal process, but. Day to day, how many of us have the time to really get into these, uh, get into these processes? So it'll be interesting to see how this particular part of it plays out. There are also obligations on uh, on data fiduciaries or these entities that are processing, uh, processing data, right? Uh, which yeah. is that you know you have to make sure you have the processes, etc. You you build out the processes, to do everything that's required under the law. If you are engaging someone else to process data on your behalf, you must do that under a valid contract. Right, mm-hmm. uh, you have to take whatever you know. Read the Make sure you have readable security safeguards in place to protect data that that you've collected. Uh, you have to notify a user and or notify a person when their data has been affected by a data breach. Right? Yeah. And I think this is this is this is a positive change from previous iterations of the bill because this was not there. Mm. Uh, so I think it's good in theory that they have to notify uh, you when you've been affected. It also says that you have to erase personal data when someone you know asks for their uh, data to be removed i will say there are caveats here in the sense that if it if you are required to retain that data for compliance with certain laws then you don't have to you can't do it yeah then you don't remove that data so then when you look at things like you know the certain directions that came out last year or in the financial sector where you have to retain transaction data for Mm -hmm. some amount of time Right. Mm-hmm. So then again, it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see how this actually plays out. Right now, in theory, you've given people the right to ask for their data to be erased, but you have other laws in place that also want, and also you know, also yeah, you ask to... tension. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Right. So so how is that balance going to play out is unclear. And then you've also done things like you know I was talking about the legitimate uses right where you're assuming consent. Uh, you also have essentially to- said that state entities can un- assume they have your content to process your data and they are not bound by uh, the need to erase uh, your-, your data. Right? even some of the positives come with with writers, right? and which is why we've been we've been concerned with many aspects of it.
0: okay. And there's one positive to me is that for the first time, we are having penalties on uh, uh, if there's any uh, transgression, which is a good thing. Yeah, yeah. So, so there is the aspect of, of penalties. Again, there's an interesting change there in the sense that
1: yes, there is now there is now a penalty that can be imposed on on data fiduciary entity that's that's process mm-hmm. uh, data. And these penalties will go to the consolidated fund of India. Yeah.
0: Uh,
1: earlier, under the amendments, what the bill has also done is removed uh, section forty three a of the uh, of the IT Act, which had the provision for an affected person to seek compensation. So hmm. that's been removed. So now, as a person, I am no longer entitled to compensation, but the consolidated fund of India is entitled to a fine.
0: Uh, a fine. fine. So it's again basically, and, yeah. If I get it right, if if my data has been breached or if there's some issue there, and I go to the court and win the case against a fiduciary entity A, I won't get a compensation, but the court will levy a fine on the fiduciary uh, fiduciary body, and the money will go to the government of India no the consolidated it, yeah so
1: yeah correct correct so it won't it won't, it won't be a code, it'll be data protection code in this uh, case yeah yeah. Not, uh, not this, yeah yeah it's not, it's not going to be a code per se but but yes effectively right if, if you've been affected by a breach or they can even take in case of a breach they can even look, look into it but essentially it you know as an individual you no longer don't no longer seem to have a provision to be compensated for for a, for a breach of privacy or any harm that comes out of a breach of uh, personal data
0: so does that stop us from as a victim to go to the courts and knock on the courts doors to get justice and compensation i'm going to say it depends
1: and i will again make the sense is that specifically for a breach of data, you may not be able to go to court but maybe if there's, there's the cyber crime aspect to it yeah. uh, then you will still have other you know avenues under the under the legal process uh, available to you but specifically in terms of this of of a breach of personal data, it will then go under the institutional mechanism that have been envisioned under this bill, right? Or yeah. then it becomes an act, this act. Yeah. Uh, so, so then you go through the process of the with this, which is the Data Protection Board, which will then make make a ruling on this matter. If you are unhappy with that, or a, any party is unhappy with that, there is an appellate. So you don't go to court after that. You go to an appellate uh, committee, which is the and they have essentially use the the appellate tribunal with for the current telecom. Uh, from the telecom right? so so Mm -hmm. tdsat comes in Uh, it's unclear why that was chosen as the tribunal as the appellate tribunal in this case but if you're if you're appealing a decision of the board you don't go to a court you go to tdsat so it's uh, again like i said it's unclear why that why that uh, that's the why that's the case and why that happened but uh, that seems to be what what's envisioned here
0: okay so let's move on to what i think is the biggest con and which you touched on earlier also it's the exemption given to the states on a whole lot of issues can you tell us a little about that very broadly right and this is mm-hmm. again this has been a very consistent criticism of pre many iterations
1: of this data protection bill right people have said that look the exemption that you're giving to state instrumentalities are very broad uh, and unfortunately with subsequent versions they've gotten broader right so the issue basically is that one is such a there's a, there's a very sweeping exemption which is mm-hmm. the provisions of this act right will not apply you know, for any state or central, basically union government uh, instrumentality, that will be determined by means of a notification, right? Mm. In the interests of sovereignty, and integrity of India, security of the state, friendly relations with foreign states, maintenance of public order, preventing incitement to any cognizable offence uh, relating to any of these, right? Now, the issue with is when you look at practical reality and how very often these some of some of these have been interpreted or misinterpreted. Right to give state agencies broader powers, right? Uh, yeah. that's where the concern is. Right now, when you say something like maintenance of public order, right, which is used so often in uh, in so many different contexts, right, so you mm-hmm. can you can envision that pretty much most law enforcement agencies will be given exemption, right, for any provision of the act. Right, it's not even it's not even specific parts. They're not even Picking and saying, hey, okay, maybe these particular obligations under, you know, under the act will not apply to you. No, you're saying everything doesn't apply. Right? The entire provision do- doesn't apply. right? And mm. the, they've also gone broader in previous uh, versions, which is now saying that uh, any data that you have to notify, you know, whatever instrumentality is that has this exemption. Now you're also saying that any data that it shares back with the union government is also exempt. Right. So it's gone, mm. uh, it's gone even broader than than it was, right? Mm-hmm. And there are no safeguards in terms of look under what conditions you you do these, you know, do they have to be necessary, do they have to be proportionate, etc. There there's no such no such you know language that's in there to impose any sort of safeguards there. right? Then it also says uh, one of the other one of the other exemptions is that the, and this is this is broader, which says that again the executive can based on the volume and nature of personal data, notify a certain data fiduciary, the class of data fiduciary, including startups, right? Now, there is, there seems to be no reason why the word startups have been thrown in here, but it's here, right? Uh, yeah. And they essentially don't have the obligation to provide notice. They don't have, they don't have the obligation that are imposed on uh, significant data fiduciary, which is the need to do uh, data protection impact assessment, to do audits, uh, to appoint a specific data protection officer, right? Mm. Uh, you don't have the obligation to provide a person information about themselves that they that they ask for, right? So one of the one of the parts of this, one of the rights that this uh, that it gives you is the is the right to ask for the data data fiduciary has on you, right? So that mm-hmm. is that can, that can be exempted. Also, you, you can also exempt them from certain parts of certain obligations, which is, you know, from, so there, there is one obligation that currently says that if you're making a decision about someone, there is an obligation on you to ensure that the, the data you have is complete, accurate and consistent, right? Which is a very sensible thing, sensible clause to, to be there, to, de- to be there. That gets exempted. It's, it's very strange why, you know, on what basis this has been done. Uh, why some of these exemptions have been made right uh, and then so there are more exemptions but i also want to then quickly go to the bit about uh, certain legitimate uses right which yeah. is which is also a, a section that has many people concerned right yeah. uh and you know if if you've been following some of the history of the of the bill this was in the 2022 draft that came out it was called deemed consent yeah uh, which was that uh, so it's been rebranded, right? It's been rebranded to say certain legitimate uses, and the the frame has shifted from saying, you know, the consent of the data principle shall be deemed to say that now a data fiduciary can use data for these purposes, right? So it's very very interestingly the framing has been has been changed, right? And here also it says that uh, look, if you uh, again, I'll go to the state one, right? Which is which is the one that's particularly concerning, which is that. Uh, if you know, if you have given previously given date, any data for for availing a subsidy benefit, benefit service certificate license or permit, uh, it then assumes it for future listing. Right. So
0: if you look at that, uh, who does that leave? Right. It leaves uh, no one. one Everyone has some exactly. interaction with the government. Yeah. Exactly.
1: Which which one of us has not given uh, data to exactly. or information to the government for something like this? It also goes further, right? Uh, the second part of that also then says that if the data is already available with the government in digital form or in non-digital form from any database, register, book, or other document which it has, or when you it, it, then assuming uh, it has concern. it has content. So. Yeah. So, it's, yeah. so it's again, again, the idea of purpose limitation right? that we spoke about that if you've given your data for one thing, it doesn't necessarily mean you you automatically are allowing someone else to use it, right? Yeah. Uh, but this is exactly what this, this clause is allowing uh, to happen, right? Yeah. That if you have essentially saying if you've ever interacted with the state or the state has any information about you anywhere, it's going to use it in whatever way it wants. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, right? Uh, which is extremely broad, extremely sweeping, extremely concerning, right? Now you mm-hmm. again, in both, you know both the cases of exemptions or, you know, legitimate uses, you can make the reasonable argument, that in some cases, it's, it's required, right? Yeah, uh, the problem, the problem and the concern that people have been raising for years was the absence of any form of restrictions or protections or safeguards on how this happens right? Those have been ignored, right? And mm. they've gotten broader, they've gotten broader over over the years. That's why there, has, there are so many sections of civil society who are still extremely concerned with the bill, right? Even yeah. in in, in form you, you, you would think that many people would be like, look, look, as long as we have some bill, it's great. I'll just pause there and say that while I understand that thought process, if you look at the substance that is already there, right? And the substance that we are waiting for in terms of the legislation, I mean, mm-hmm. the, the rules that are yet yet to be notified, right? Mm-hmm i have many concerns because we don't know how a lot of aspects of this will will,
0: will play out how does this bill end compared to other legislation from other parts of the world the eu has it uk have it so how does the one we have right now compare to them challenge there is that
1: until you have the the many specifics of this right uh, in, in terms of how, how the rules are it's really hard to make that to make that determination because you know by by design they've chosen this form of drafting right which is being yeah. called subtle yeah.
0: right?
1: i think simple uh, accessible uh, rational and actionable but which also then makes you know uh, analysis of it a little difficult because you've left a lot of things to future rule making right so so in that sense a lot of it is to be determined mm-hmm. uh, something that we do know like if you look at you know, the, the exemption specifically, and this is a point that even the union minister made in terms of the GDPR has think 16 exemptions was his statement versus we have four, right? Again, I, I would say at that point, you need to also then look at the substance of the 16 exemptions and whether there are limitations on them or not. And then compare that with the sweeping four, you know, four clauses, right? Now if yeah. you actually look at, if you actually read each clause, there are there are more you know there are more embedded within each but let's take that at face value and say okay there are four uh, right so you also mm-hmm. have to contrast the, the nature of those right so it, it's not enough to just say sixteen and four you also have to look at what they specifically mean w- what the consequences can be right mm-hmm. the other thing that's very unique to to India's uh, data protection bill is the idea of duties on data principles right this mm-hmm. to my knowledge is not something I've seen. Anyway, uh, in yeah. any other, in any other du- jurisdiction, it has some, which is okay. You don't impersonate a user uh, again, doesn't necessarily need to be a duty. And this becomes important because there's also a, there's also a penalty for not following your duties, right? As a person, you can be, you can be penalized uh, for not following your duties. Then you also, there's also a duty to, that you ensure not to suppress any material information while providing data to, to the state or any of its instrumentality, yeah. right? Uh, yeah. like you, but it's important at this point to contrast this with the position of the bill when it comes to the state itself right the state mm-hmm. will assume that it has a consent for everything that it can do what it wants with the data it can notify exemptions on you know on any sort of categories that we don't know at this point but on a person there is an obligation yeah. right? so it's a very it, it's a very interesting inversion of, you know, of, of the drafting process in which you say, look, you know, laws are drafted to protect citizens, to protect individuals, to protect their interests. Uh, but if you look at this philosophically, right, uh, it yeah. seems to be an inversion yeah. of uh, inversion of, of that aspect of it. Yeah. Uh, there's also one that says you ensure not to register a false or frivolous grievance, okay. grievance or complaint with the data fiduciary. And again, the point of this is you don't know what false or frivolous necessarily mean right uh, yeah it's not defined and to be fair you can't define it that easily in Europe because the, some of the jurisprudence will take time to time to evolve yeah uh, but the the and net effect of this that you're saying that there's a fine on you if you go to the board with a false or frivolous complaint now there's already so much there's probably a lot of suspicion apprehension maybe there's lack of time you know a lot of people in their daily life don't follow these processes as it is, right? No yeah, one yeah. wants to follow through. Now you're also adding a potential risk of them being fined at the end of it, which is really disincentivizing someone from, you know, using the recourse that is there in the bill, right? So it says you have a right to grievance redressal. It. it says there is a data protection board that you, you can go to if, uh, if the data fiduciary doesn't resolve your uh, grievance, but it's also then saying that there is a fine on you. If, if it's found, found if we be, think it is not, uh, chill, it's office. not,
0: you're going to get fined. It's yeah. basically what they're
1: saying. Yeah, correct. so. so so, then you have to look at it in the context of the data protection board itself, which is yeah. pretty much appointed by the executive and it have discussion on the appointment. Uh, online, yeah. right? uh, they've made one change here from previous version where they have said, okay, you know, the salary and the terms of employment cannot be changed to, to disadvantage someone uh, during the tenure. Right. But that again, it, it's a, it's a very minor revision. Can you compare that with the overall institutional design, right, which is like the appointment and all, uh, you know, and all the discussion is with uh, the executive. Mm. Uh, But then you made one clause that says that, you know, you can't, these these terms can't be changed, but uh, the board itself remains a body that is under the executive's control.
0: How the data protection bill will affect me if I was a consumer? What are the changes I can expect from now on? What should I look at when it becomes an act? What are are some of the things that I should keep in mind?
1: Yeah, this is this is a very interesting question because we don't know at this stage when different parts of this are going to come into effect. I think it is reasonable to say that uh, entities need to be given a certain amount of time to time to comply because you need mm-hmm. to make changes in your processes, etc. It's I, I think that that's a reasonable ask. What is unclear at this stage is what that period is. Uh, and now there are also statements that say that it's going to vary, that different types of companies may have different time periods for, for compliance. Mm-hmm. Uh, again... You know, in in principle, not such a bad, not not necessarily such a such a bad idea. But it, you just have to look at it from the perspective of this ideally should have been a roadmap, right? Mm, if you're, yeah. When you're drafting legislation like this, you make a roadmap and say, for example, with the Digital Services Act, they they've given you a roadmap in years, uh, in terms of at what point what provisions will apply to what type of company, right? Mm. Uh, so, conceptual idea isn't bad, but the way we're doing it is that it's, it's seeming, it's coming across as ad hoc. Right, or hmm. coming across as unplanned. There is no clear roadmap. People, you know, there will be. It'll, they'll suddenly decide that okay, this type of company can be. You know, will have to comply by so and so date. It makes it very hard for businesses, right? Uh, yeah. Again, it, it's also confusing then for for people in terms of understanding. Hey, you know what? Uh, when when will I be able to exercise my rights under the bill? But what will come into effect? Right? are all the exemptions that the government wants in terms of being able to notify someone right? now it's a matter of, now they can choose when they notify uh, entities right uh, they, yeah. the the legitimate users things will, will will come into effect the duties on uh, uh, data principles will uh, will, will come in, come into effect and, and I'll again say that a staggered rollout is not a bad thing right? Uh, but the manner of this rollout without any any sort of clear roadmap is a concern right it is a concern both for, for for people individuals as consumers it's a concern for businesses as well in terms of not knowing you know, by when they have to by when they have to comply right? and there's that there's a the discretion right with their retaining by by not putting out a clear roadmap there's a the discretion uh, that's being retained with the executives saying that you know we can do whatever we want whenever we want uh, hmm. That that's how it's coming across at this point. I
0: I hmm. I don't know
1: if they realize it, but that's how it's coming across at this point.
0: Thank you so much for joining us today. Right. Right. Thank you.